welcome to The Unveiling with your hosts, Ajay, Mark, and Tim. Three guys discussing the one true gospel. We hope you enjoy today's discussion. Let's dive right in. Hello and welcome to The Unveiling with your hosts, Mark, Ajay, and Tim. This is episode 28 and we're titling this one, The Fruit of the Spirit. So obviously we are dipping into the New Testament, into Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, which say, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, I don't know, Mark, I don't think we want to dive in and just uh, dissect each one of those, but I think we want to start, at least start, by talking about the nature of the fruit of the Spirit. Sure. Well, I think one point that that came out of our Spirit series um, was just the, for me, it was an awesome revelation that when when Jesus said, as he was telling his disciples that after he he left them, he wouldn't leave them as orphans, but he would send the counselor, the advocate, the Holy Spirit. He says, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you that the Spirit is Christ in us. And as I look at the different uh, fruit of the Spirit here that's listed, I'm going to read mine since I've got the NIV translation, and it just gives a few different words that mean the same thing. But it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is basically bearing with each other, being gracious to each other, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, which is the same as temperance. Uh, One of the things that jumped out at me, none of these things are about doing. We tend to think of looking at a Christian's life for fruit as how many good deeds they have. You know, it's like a, a litmus test. You've told the story in past episodes, Tim, how a couple came in to visit your church and said to you that they were fruit inspectors. They were going to judge you by the way you guys were, you know, acting and treating each other and what the church was doing. You know, I can't even know what their personal list was. But this is saying that it's not about what we do, but about who we are and who we are becoming in the Spirit, and who God's already made us to some extent. And and if you look at these different words, love, who is the most loving person that ever lived? Joy, who gave his very life for the joy set before him? Peace, who was the Prince of Peace? Forbearance, grace, who who is the personification of grace? As you go through these goodness, faithfulness, These are all describing Christ when I look at them. He is the superlative of each one of them. And so to me, that was kind of eye-opening to see that. And then the other thing as I kind of chewed on this was one of the dangers at looking at it too closely is that we would try to grade ourselves, just like our good old fruit inspectors at your old church. We can try to inspect our own fruit and grade ourselves. But how do we do that? That's very subjective. And can we could we even do that in an unbiased fashion if we wanted to? Um, so 
to me, that's one of the dangers, but we obviously all want more of this fruit of the Spirit. So I think I'm sure our conversation will definitely gravitate toward how is it we have more of the fruits of the Spirit in, in, in our life. And that I will hand it over to my esteemed colleague, Ajay. Sorry, Tim, you cannot, it's Ajay's, unless he wants to give it back to you. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject here, Ajay, and then it's to you. Go ahead, so the problem I see with these, especially in the case of like my fruit inspectors, is these aren't actions. These are not actions. These are state of being. You be you 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 know you're loving. You're gentle. You're kind. You're full of joy. You're full of peace. These aren't measurable by exterior means because these are all innate. Uh, states of mind, more or less. Ajay? In fact, uh, Tim and uh, Mark, you know, I was go- it's uh, such a great point you are making that these are not actions, you know, to further back up what you said with scripture. The first fruit is uh, that is mentioned here is love. And then if we double click into love in Corinthians chapter 13, again, we see that, you know, it's not so much about doing or actions, but it's about being and what is the nature of love, right? Love suffers long and it is kind. It does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, so on and so forth, right? So again, I think people who are saying, you know, we are going to be um, fruit inspectors, they totally got it wrong because how can you measure these things? In fact, clearly in the same chapter, if you go further up a little bit, it says, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so could, so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. So you could see somebody who is actually giving his body to be burnt, right? Giving away all his money to the poor. Judging from outside, you know, you could say, okay, this guy is the quintessential example of love. But Bible clearly says, you know, you could do all those things, but still you could do it without love. So that clearly says, you know, love is not about uh, actions. It's about the nature of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And in fact, uh, Bible says God is love right? So love is about the nature of God. Um, I want to share a scripture here that I think, and, and here's the thing, Ajay made a great point, in, in Tim and, and, and me too, if I do say so myself, is that it's not about what we do. The fruit of the Spirit is about who we are in Christ. And and two, this, this scripture I want to bring um mentions two directly that are in that list of fruit of the Spirit, but I don't think anyone's going to argue that hope is also a fruit of the Spirit. But listen to this. This is the Apostle Paul speaking about about the Thessalonians. He says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, fruit of the Spirit, your labor prompted by love, fruit of the Spirit, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So to me, I love this because it's the proper order for anything we do. 
you know, we don't, we don't labor so that we're loving, loving. We don't endure, endure, endure. So we have hope and we don't work, work, work. So it works. So our faith is stronger. So when I look at these fruits of the spirit, even though they themselves are not deeds or works or doing, but who we are, who we are in Christ produces, it grows fruit on us. And, and that's what I really like about the order here. But so many of us, you know, so many Christians, the three of us did it for years as well as we've testified to many times, we get the order wrong. You know, we, we put the horse before the cart or the cart before the horse. And, and when I think of it that way, it's almost like an apple tree. It's like the apples trying to grow the tree instead of vice versa. And I've shared this, uh, this one of my favorite analogies uh, of the apple tree that I shared, but I think in this conversation it bears repeating, and that is apple trees are apple trees. They are created to grow fruit. They don't work to grow f- fruit. They don't gather weekly with a whole big building full of other apple trees and an expert apple tree, guilting them, cheering them on, teaching them how to grow fruit. They don't have little five, six man small groups of apple trees <laughs> going through curriculum how to grow fruit. Now, what do they do? They plant their roots into the good soil. They drink in the living water. They turn their leaves to the sun. And what happens? Effortlessly beautiful fruit is produced. And obviously the good soil, the living water, and the sun are Jesus himself and his spirit. The the idea of a whole bunch of apple trees in a convention center makes me laugh. We all know they're on Zoom during these this period. Of time. Well, nowadays, yeah, because, and they're all wearing masks as well. But <laughs> I digress. <laughs> but, but let's just dive into love for a moment. I know I said you know we we're not necessarily going through these one by one, but just as an example of what you're what you're saying, the word for love in the Greek in this instance is agape. And the definition of that is a divine love, an ardent, tender, self-sacrificial devotion to the well-being of others. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I do not, I do not of myself have divine love in me. There are people in this world, believe it or not, that I probably wouldn't love on my own. So if that if I have love, agape love, it's not coming from me. It's coming from the spirit out of me. That's nature. That's not me working at it. I if I had to work at loving people, I'd be terrible at it. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is, you can tell when somebody is working at trying to love. You ever notice that? You get a sense of a radar that these people aren't sincere, but they're doing it because they believe this is the right thing to do and it's serving God. So I don't mean to be too critical, but I've just visited, you know, let's just say Christian, you know, I've visited churches where people are coming up to you being really friendly. And I'm not trying, I don't mean to be, but you can just tell, first of all, these aren't extroverts, but they're doing it out of a sense of duty and that almost negates, that's against the definition of love. You know, if it's duty or you're doing it because you're trying to serve God or gain greater blessing from him, 
It's just everybody can tell when it's not ringing true. But then there are other souls that are filled with the fruit of the spirit of divine love, and that just reaches to your very core. Yeah, I believe, Mark, I think you were sent to this to the church as a fruit inspector, right? <laughs> <laughs> you better believe it, Bill. <laughs> so love is a wonderful thing and comes springing out of us from our indwelling of the Spirit in Jesus Christ. But all this fruit, is that how does it all get produced? What do we have to do to get that produced out of us? Ajay, what do you what do you have to do to get it to spring forth? Yeah. Yeah, Tim, you know, uh, before we get there, you know, I just wanted to quickly touch on the uh, contrast of the fruit of the Spirit just for uh, more clarity on, you know, what is not the fruit of the Spirit in case somebody is confused. Of course, it's obvious, but I think it might be good to just uh, uh, read through that as well. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Again, it's kind of interesting, you know, the contrast is when we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit, it doesn't say it's the works of the Spirit, it says the fruit of the Spirit. But when it comes to flesh, it specifically uses the works of the flesh. So again, a good contrast here, but um, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentiousness, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So it is clear, right? Again, you know, we talked about it several times when we say, you know, we are not under the law, but under grace. We don't mean that, you know, you go and uh, do all these things, right? That's not what we are saying. But for uh, clarity, you know, the contrast is pretty clear between the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. So back to your question, Tim, uh, how do we bear the fruit of the Spirit, right? So one verse that struck me is, uh, it does not necessarily say it's the fruit of the Spirit, but it uses the word fruit of righteousness. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 11, it says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So clearly it says that fruit is not by us, but it is by our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, going back to the uh, Galatians chapter 15, if you uh, look at the scripture in context, it starts from verse 16. Paul says, you know, I say, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So again, I think here we have a clue, right? It says if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, if you uh, reverse it, right? If you are under the law, you cannot be led by the Spirit. So the first and foremost thing to bear the fruit of the Spirit is you come out of the law. We talked about it several times. And you first come from the land of the law into land of grace. Right? That is the first thing. And the second thing is we bear the fruit of the Spirit, not by ourselves, but by Jesus Christ. And uh, we also see in, uh, again, it uh, aligns very well with what the Lord Jesus said in uh, uh, John chapter 15. I am the true vine and my father is a vine dresser. Right? 
Then he goes on to say in verse chapter, in uh, verse 4, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, As a father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. And then he goes on to say, If if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So here again the context is bearing fruit and how we bear fruit is simply abiding in Christ and abiding in his love. And Ajay, that just sets up so perfectly the point I wanted to make to kind of address, I believe it was Tim's question. So how do we get the the fruit of the Spirit in our life? How do we get it in greater amount? And, And just how you just mentioned, Christ himself said, abide in me, remain in me, is in my translation. And uh, one, you know, as I talked earlier about these different fruit, fruit of the Spirit, love, gentleness, forbearance, all those being the character of Christ, really it's Christ being formed in us. And we've talked quite a bit about that Christian life. And you mentioned about the first thing is you've got to come out from under the land of the old covenant law and works and religion into the land of grace. Well, as always, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 mentions just that <laughs> by first saying in, in uh, verse 18, the Apostle Paul summarizes being filled with the fruit of the Spirit by saying, and we all who with unveiled faces, that's coming out from the land of the law, because he calls the law and that works mentality a veil. So when we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, contemplate is remaining in, it's abiding in, it's gazing at him, looking at him. And these are not works. Believe me, people have tried hard to make even just basic faith that is a gift a work. But it is not a work just to set the gaze of your soul to consider Christ, to contemplate him. And when that happens, what does it say? It says, so, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with with ever increasing glory, which is from the Lord who is the Spirit. There's the Spirit again. So it's the Spirit's job as we unveil ourselves from the law and contemplate Christ. It's his job to form his fruit in us. And and that's not a work. And then there's another scripture. I don't remember the the address right now, but it's where it says um, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Uh, Romans chapter 12, yeah. Okay. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but by the renewing of your mind, be transformed. There's another example, renewing your mind. How do we renew our minds? By looking at Christ, by looking in Scripture at Christ, by through worship at Christ, or just by simply 
going for a walk and thinking about Jesus and talking to him. These aren't works. They're just communing with God himself. And as we do that, the Spirit transforms us and fills us with his Spirit and his fruit. It's the only way to do it. You can't manufacture it no matter how hard you try. Ajay, I want to go back to the verse you read where you uh, said that the fruit of righteousness is equitable to the fruit of the Spirit. With one small caveat, if you call it the fruit of righteousness, you can't produce that fruit unless you're righteous. So, Mark, I'm stealing a point you mentioned earlier, and that is you have to be righteous to produce fruit. We aren't righteous. We can't be righteous. So when we get our salvation, we are made righteous. And as a result of that, we are able to produce fruit. Mark, did you want to expound on that? Well, I was reminded of Johnny Carson, who would have said, wrong Pharisee breath. I don't know if you remember that. I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself here. We are righteous. In fact, we are the perfect righteousness of God because God made him who had no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Are you? I think you're probably talking about in and of ourselves. Correct. Well, I'm talking about the the moment of salvation. We are made righteous. We don't work into our righteousness. We don't. We can out of ourselves produce righteousness, Absolutely. but the Holy Spirit comes in and makes us righteous in that instant, and then we can bear fruit of that. And it, you know, whether call it a timing issue, if you will. Uh, we have to be righteous to produce fruit. So we aren't working towards our righteousness. It's a, it's a proof text for grace. We sure. are given grace immediately, fully righteous, no longer under the law, no longer having to go do works to prove and earn. So, you know, I think that's just, it might be a minor point, but to me it was like mind expanding. Oh, that is great, Tim. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, Ajay? Can you do me a favor and read that scripture again that mentioned the fruit of righteousness? Yeah, it says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 11, being filled with fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So it's fruits, plural, of righteousness or fruit of righteousness? Fruits of righteousness. Okay. So then that would tend to mean that the fact that we're righteous in itself produces fruit, as opposed to if it was singular, it would mean that the righteousness itself was a fruit. Yeah, this is a result of being righteous. So righteousness is um, nothing but the nature of Christ in us, right? So it's another way of saying Christ bearing his fruit in and he is manifesting his character in nature, in and through us. Now, this is funny. Let me read you my NIV. Uh, it says, and this is my prayer. This is uh, the Apostle Paul again writing to the Philippians, chapter 1, verse 9, and he says, And this is my prayer, that your love, which is a fruit of the Spirit, may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Yeah. So I think this really ties in well with the list in Galatians of the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think the key point is, you know, the fruit is by Jesus Christ, not by ourselves. We don't try to produce it. 
we basically rest in him so back to the point of you know righteousness producing the fruit romans chapter 517 it says the same thing in a different way uh romans 517 for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one jesus christ again you know those who receive the gift of righteousness right not those who work out their own righteousness as we are made righteous we will reign in life and not by ourselves but through jesus christ and if we are reigning in life of course we are bearing the fruit right it's the same thing the christ life manifesting in us i want to make one other point you know uh we said we bear fruit by abiding in christ and mark mentioned you know abiding is simply looking at the lord jesus christ and understanding and comp- contemplating his glory so another uh, abiding also means resting in the finished work right the work is finished there is nothing for us to do what does a branch do the branch doesn't really uh, work right it's simply remaining the remain also means resting resting in the lord jesus christ and resting in the finished work of our lord jesus christ and in fact in romans uh, sorry in hebrews chapter 4 in uh, verse uh, 10 says he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as god did from his so when we enter the rest of our lord jesus christ right we do not work anymore we don't work for our righteousness we don't try to produce anything but we simply rest in the finished work of our lord jesus christ so here it clearly says you know we enter into god's rest god finished the creation and then he rested on the seventh day and lord jesus christ finished the work of redemption and is now seated at the right hand of god and now we are seated in him and we are resting in him when abiding in christ also means we are simply resting in the finished work of lord jesus christ and then his life flowing through us will produce a fruit yeah i've got i found that scripture ajane it goes so perfectly with what you just said and it is philippians 2:12 uh paul instructs the philippians continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling now this is one that's been so misused in teaching to get people to work And Paaja you just made a very clear point you don't work for it. It's the spirit in us. But listen, and I don't know how people have gotten this wrong because it says continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fill his fulfill his good purpose. So right there it's saying how anybody could uh understand that as meaning to work for to work harder for your salvation this is working out of your salvation it's working out of your declaration of of um righteousness it's working out of the fact that god has given you his spirit as a deposit and a seal of ownership i just i just it just clears it up so clearly there and it's obviously that scripture taken out of context if you take the one line continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling they have uh defined it as continue to work for your salvation with fear and trembling where this is obvious it's god working in you and your whatever you do is out of your relationship 
Yeah. In fact, the same verse also says it, God working in you both to will and to do. Right. He gives both the willingness and performance. It's not our uh, stirring ourselves up and trying to come up to do something, but as we are resting, God is working in us both the willingness and also the performance of it. Yeah, and I love this. And he says, if when you when this is true in you, it says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. He's not saying you're going to shine as you work hard. <laughs> He's saying as you hold to the gospel, the word of life, as you hold on to the fact that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. That's what that's what brings all change into our life and whatever fruit comes out of it is just holding on to Christ, reflecting on him, considering him, contemplating him, and moving out, like how you put it, Ajay, leaving the land of the law and entering the land of grace. Not to beat a dead horse, but if we have to work for our salvation, we're not going to know when we're saved because— because we, it's a it's a goal that we never seem to be able to achieve. So if God gives us our salvation, then we're cleansed, forgiven. We we have, we have a place now where the Spirit can dwell, you know, blemish free, spotless, sinless, and then we can bear fruit. But without all those things in place, no fruit. And you just don't know when you have enough, as you pointed out. If we only had some type of story or illustration that involves the Russian Orthodox Church, I think it would really help us, Tim. Do you by any chance have anything like that that you could share? It's a like perfect said, example. I <laughs> like I said, I don't want to beat any dead horses here. Beat it, man. Beat it. <laughs> no, but it, there is a, you know, I think I've said this on the show before, there is a, in the, Kremlin in Moscow, there is, uh, well, there's several churches, and we were in the cathedral in one of them, and the back wall was a painting of God holding a scale and putting people on that scale to measure their good deeds against their bad deeds to see if they were good people or bad people. And I asked my, you know, my translator friend, and who was also a cantor in the Russian Orthodox Church, how do you know when you've done enough? He goes, well, that's the whole point. You never know when you've done enough, so you got to just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. What a nasty, vicious circle that is. Yeah. Because <laughs> no matter how hard you work, you don't know if you've worked hard enough or you're doing it well enough, which makes you work harder, which still makes you not know. It's just like a never-ending cycle of works and condemnation and, and having no assurance in life, no freedom in that at all. I'm exhausted just listening to that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. In, in addition to that, you can never finish a finish work, right? It's The work is finished and we are already in Christ and we can never enter a room that we are already in. So what they're trying to do is finish a finished work, which is an impossibility. Yeah. Either you rest in the finished work or you basically say, I'm going to do it on my own. Both are not possible. And the, that, the fruit of that, not even fruit, the works of that um, just play out in so many bad ways. It's just a whole different lifestyle, a whole different paradigm when you're under the law. I'm, I'm part of this discussion thing on Facebook 
And these people are so sidetracked with works and discussions about everything but Christ himself. And today there was a big debate going on about what day the Sabbath needs to be on. Is it Saturday? Some are arguing, no, it's Sunday. Some are saying, well, the original Jews had it on Saturday. They're going back and forth with all this stuff. Christ is never mentioned. And I said, I just, I just kind of chimed in and said, you know what? The Sabbath, first of all, was the old covenant law, and it was for Israel. And I said, um, we now as believers, we rest in Christ. We don't rest in the law, in you know, having this day of rest that has to be on a certain day, and you can't do this on that day. We rest in Christ, and there's freedom in that. And even Jesus himself answered the Pharisees, you know what? The Sabbath, man was not created for the Sabbath, which is a part of the law. Mankind was not was not created to follow a set of rules. Those rules were made for mankind. First of all, we know that the main reason the law was given was to bring us to Christ, but the rules themselves are good. And this is something we've tried to be clear on as we've gone throughout this podcast is we we are never, ever saying the law itself isn't good. Thou shalt not murder. Who's going to argue that that's not a great law? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not lie. These are all good things. But when we make them rules and systems and mindsets of gaining God's salvation, acceptance, or even greater blessing, that's when they just become this gerbil wheel that basically takes you nowhere. It's a burden of slavery, as Paul used to call it. Yeah, I would like to touch on a couple of points about, uh, again, you know, how to bear the fruit. Again, we are not talking about works, but how do we bear, right? So just to bring us home, uh, in John chapter uh, 15, again, the Lord said, abide in my love, right? So in order to abide in your love, Again, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to just read a couple of scriptures from Ephesians chapter 3. Towards the end of the chapter, it says, this is actually Paul's prayer. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So here we see, right, you know, can you be filled with the fullness of God and not be filled with the Spirit of God? And can you be filled with the Spirit of God and not bear the fruit of the Spirit, right? So here the order of things is, as you know the love of Christ, you will be filled with the fullness of God. And as you are filled with the fullness of God, you will bear the fruit of the Spirit. So again, I think here, going back to what the Lord Jesus said, abide in my love, right? As we understand and as we grow in the knowledge of the love of Christ for us, the byproduct is, you know, we bear the fruit of the Spirit. So I want to finally, you know, bring us back full circle 
I know we talked about it several times, Galatians chapter 3, in starting from verse 3, I think it uh, will be good to read all of it. So all of it in the sense, first few verses. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted for him for righteousness. So again, here clearly we see that, you know, he who supplies the Spirit and works miracles among you, does it by the works of the law or hearing of faith. And clearly it is by the hearing of faith. So again, you know, like we always say, right, you know, our salvation is by grace through faith. And our righteousness is by grace through faith. And our sanctification is by grace through faith. And similarly, bearing the fruit is also by grace through faith. Just as we have begun in Christ Jesus, right? Just as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in Him. How did we receive Him? By faith. How do we walk in Him? By faith. How do we bear fruit? It is by faith. So simply by hearing of faith, simply by accepting our gift of righteousness and accepting who we are made in Christ Jesus and just resting in the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ, we bear the fruit of the Spirit. And I'd like to follow up with my concluding statement. I think we're getting pretty near time, aren't we, Tim? Hey, I think this is the first time I've ever cautioned us on time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to kind of close up uh, by saying that the Holy Spirit is Christ in us. And so the fruit of the Spirit is also Christ in us. It's His character, His qualities that have been deposited in us in the Spirit. And as we abide in Him and remain in Him, He is formed in us. His quality and character is formed in us. As uh, Paul, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, we are transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which is from the Lord who is, who is the Spirit. So all we do is abide in Him, contemplate Him, leave the land of the law and works and enter the land of grace and, and into the freedom we have in Christ, resting in Him, and He will do the rest with ever-increasing glory. So as we do those things and we look at our love, our joy, our peace, our forbearance, which is really his love, his joy, his peace, his forbearance, we will see those things over my our lifetime increasing. And, and the only thing we can really do to short-circuit that is to get in the way, is us trying to take that job on our own, because we can't do it. It's not something that can be achieved by human power, by human goodness, by human trying, or even being guilted or encouraged or taught by some pastor somewhere. It's turning to Jesus. Yeah. Mark, I just want to clarify one thing. You know, you said all we need to do is abide in him. Then if someone asks, how do I abide, right? So again, there's a tendency to go back to works, but the way we abide is 
by grace through faith. It's as simple as that. Well, in a sh- in a show first, in episode twenty eight, I'm writing this on my calendar. You guys gave your wrapping and closing statements without being prompted, and me having to interrupt and call time. This has been a good discussion tonight, guys, and I hope that those of you who are listening have gotten something out of this. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email with any questions, comments. We'd love to to reply or get back to you on anything. Tim, excuse me, excuse me, but on behalf of me and Ajay, that was just a demonstration of the fruit of self-control. So keep that in mind. We can't take credit. (laughs) Well, it's either that or you guys want to get to the Miami Heat game. Oh, that might be it, yeah. <laughs> That's it for us tonight, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to talking to you the next time. We would like to thank you for listening to The Unveiling. We hope you have enjoyed it enough to consider subscribing and sharing with others. We welcome your questions, comments, and feedback. You can reach us via email at theunveiledgospel at yahoo.com or find our Facebook page at The Unveiling Podcast. For IJ, Mark, and myself, God bless, and we will talk with you next time.